The following program is brought to you by the 511 Media Group. This program is available on iTunes, Spotify, the 511 Media Group YouTube channel, and 511mediagroup.com. What is going on, Spook Ghouls and Witches? Welcome back to Lights Out Podcast. We are having a very fun intro today. Uh, Miss Summer's septum ring just fell off. Yeah, it flew out of my nose. I don't know what just happened. I was trying to keep it in. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, gosh. Okay. Well, I hope everyone else's day is going a little better. Yeah. Make sure your septum ring stays in. <laughs> make sure you, you get like a permanent open. Yeah. Involved. Your piercings are all secured. <laughs> Okay, so today, <laughs> um, keeping up with the theme of um, Zodiac, uh, we did that, what, like three episodes ago? Something like that. We've, we've done quite a couple things about Zodiac, whether it's the Zodiac Killer or Zodiac Signs. That's true, but we not not associated. <laughs> no, they're not associated at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I've gotten some good feedback about the Zodiac one. Um, people nice. are laughing because they think it's true. Um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I mean, sure they're gonna be like, "Oh, well, can't wait to hear about my story." Mine's yeah. really stupid, so I can't. Your wait. mythology, fucking crabs, just always crabs. Uh, yeah, but it's for a good reason. Crabs, the crab has a hard exterior but a mushy inside. You know, I just gotta say, I was having this conversation with somebody at work the other day, and I was like, you know, <laughs> cancers just get the worst shit. Yeah, <laughs> because no, not only completely. do we get a bad rep, <laughs> because everyone forgets about us, but. We also have the name Cancer, so you can't get anything yeah. like cute for your zodiac or like a little like Libra necklace. Like, no, your your says Cancer, and people are gonna like yeah. look at you and be like, "What the fuck?" and well, then not realize it's your zodiac. <laughs> at first, <laughs> a lot of I mean, Cancers get a bad rep, and I actually said that at work the other day, and one of my coworkers was like, "Thank you." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, Adam." <laughs> I'm telling you, like, we're forgotten about. Yeah. And it sucks, like, whenever yeah. you want. So I was, there's a big trend right now on TikTok for Zodiac signs. And it's, like, the sign most likely to blank, like, and one of them was the the signs most likely to black out at a party. And cancer was number two. And I was, like, I have Are never. Are you sure? Yes. You were way lower than I was. Well, you'll also have it's, to think. They said that we're the ones that would be crying to the, to the waiter or the bartender. And I'm, like. I never cry no, when I'm drunk. No, no, it's they cry in private. That's I, the thing. I cried when I was angry at work the other day, but I mean that's understandable. Yeah, that was. But <laughs> anywho, anyway, uh, so we I don't know what kind of mythology did you bring up? I brought uh, the Greek mythology. Okay, yeah, um, I did too. Um, obviously, Greek and Roman are very tied together, mm-hmm. so it could be Roman, and I don't know. I found this a long time ago, so. Um, I don't know. Some of the stories are a little different. Like they involve the same things, but they tell different parts of the story. Yeah. Um, so it might be a little all over the place, <laughs> but I hope that you learn something new. Yeah. Because mythology is fun. Um, I didn't know really anything about the Zodiac signs. I took Greek mythology in college, loved it, did not learn a single thing about the Zodiac signs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess we will start with Aries. Yeah. Uh, Aries. Good old Aries. Yeah. <laughs> we love Aries. Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, marking the beginning of spring. And Aries is actually linked with the story of the golden ram. Da. Is that what you got? <laughs> yeah. All yes, right. yes. Um, so the tale of the golden fleece begins with Athmus, king of Orochimius, which, by the way, all these names are very hard to pronounce. So if I'm butchering it, I please sincerely apologize. We're, we're very white and very American <laughs> and very English. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so 
The king had left his wife, Nephel, to marry Eno, who was the daughter of Cadmus, the legendary king of Thebes. In order to secure that her own son would inherit the kingdom, Eno plotted the destruction of Athamus's son, uh, Phrixus, and his daughter, Heli. To the end, she damaged all the seed grain in the kingdom. When the crops failed, messengers were sent to the Del- Delphic Oracle for guidance. Eno then bribed the returning messengers to change the oracle. Uh, Phrixus must be sacrificed. Athamus reluctantly agreed to heed the false oracle. But just as he raised the knife over his son on the altar, a wondrous golden-winged ram appeared, taking both uh, Phrixus and Heli on, on his back to carry them away. While they were crossing the strait, which separates Europe from Asia, the girl slipped and fell into the water. She was drowned, in, and the strait was named after her Hellspont, Sea of uh, Heli. The boy came safely to the land of Colchis, we're going to say, on the Black Sea. Although the Colchians were fierce people, they were kind to Phrixus and their king, Aetes. Let him marry, they let him marry one of his daughters. In gratitude to God Zeus for having been saved, Phrixus sacrificed the ram and gave his golden fleece as a present to King Aetes. So not only did the ram save him, but he killed, <laughs> he killed the ram. Yeah, I have like the same story, but told differently. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, in Greek mythology, it represents the animal whose fleece was sought by Jason and Argonautis, or Argonauts. Uh, the Jason's main quest was to find the golden fleece of the ram in order to prove himself to be the rightful king of, I think that's an I, Iolkos in Thessaly. Um, and originally, the ram had been presented to Nepheli by Mercury when her husband took a new wife. I know who first created uh, Nepheli's children. Lovely. Love love that, a new marriage. Um, to keep them safe, Nepheli sent Phrixus and Heli away back on the back of a magical ram who flew away to the east. Heli fell off into the Hell's Point, which I'm guessing is why it's called Hell's Point. Um, mm-hmm. Now the Dardanelles, <laughs> between the Aegean Sea and the Sea of Marmara. Good lord, these names. Phrixus safely made it to Colchis on the eastern shore of the Black Sea. Um, <clears throat> Phrixus sacrificed the ram and presented the golden fleece to the king Aedes. <laughs> After that, the golden fleece was the treasure wrested from a dragon. Then it remained until taken by Jason and Argonauts. After Medea had drugged the dragon, Jason and Medea then fled carrying the fleece on Jason's sip, the Argo. After Argo's return, the prize was spread on the bridal couch of Jason and Medea, thus sacrifice or sanctifying their royal union. Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, good to know that the ram was used to uh, have sex on. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I like the I'm first s- story better. <laughs> I'm sorry, Graham. <laughs> um, and so this, there's like this little fun fact in the middle of the story. Um, it says ancient Mediterranean civilizations have since immortalized, immortalized Aries in the golden fleece and essence among one of the creatures inhabiting the night sky. Um, and then this other story I found is also a little different. <laughs> um, it says it comes from the myth of Chrysomalus. I don't know if that's the same name you said. Um, a unique ram with gold, beautiful golden fleece and the ability to fly. When the cloud nymph Nepheli's children were about to be sacrificed to the gods, she summoned them to the ram to come to their aid. After saving them 
Chris and Malice asked to be sacrificed to the god of war, Ares, in their place. For his good deeds, he was memorialized among the heavens as the constellation Ares. Like this selfless ram, the zodiac sign is associated with leadership, boldness, and action. Ares is always eager to go the extra mile when they're passionate about a worthy cause. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> I'm all out of whack. Okay. Moving on to Taurus. Yeah. Um, Taurus is the next sign, uh, which is known as the bull, associated with the legend of Themis and the Minotaur. Um, or Theseus. Theseus? Theseus. Yeah. Uh, he's the legendary king of Athens. Um, befitting Athens, a city renowned for its thinkers, Theseus, the chief hero of Athian legends, was known more for his quick wits than his strength. His cleverness made him, along with heroes such as Hercules, Perseus, and Odysseus, one of the great monster slayers of Greek mythology. The hero earned a reputation not only for his daring and, and intelligence, but also for his fairness. An early king of Athens, he was one of the first rulers to reform the government in the direction of democracy. As both a king and an adventurer, he defended the oppressed and consistently fought for the idea of justice. On his mother's side, Theseus descended from the Pelops, the great king of Pisa, whom the gods restored to life after his father, Tantalus, had tried to serve him, serve to him in, wait, the great king of Pisa, whom the gods restored to life after his father, Tantalus, had tried to serve him to them in a stew. On his father's side, he was the son of a king, either Aegeus or the god of Poseidon. King Aegeus of Athens had long wanted a child, but his efforts in two marriages had pr proved fruitless. He at last decided to consult an oracle at Delphi, where he received a cryptic instruction. Do not unloose the foot of your wineskin until you return to Athens. The king was puzzled by this, failing to decipher the meaning. Instead of returning directly to Athens, Aegeus headed for the small town of Trozen in Argolis. Aegeus hoped that his friend Pythias, the king of Trozen, would help him solve the riddle of the oracle. That night, Pythias and Aegeus got drunk and led him to the bed of his daughter Aethra. Later that night, Poseidon lay down with Aethra too, but neither Theseus or Aegeus knew of this coupling. Aethra did have a son and named him Theseus. The boy soon demonstrated both strength and cleverness. As a young wrestler, he is credited with transforming the sport of wrestling from a contest of brute strength into an art that blended fighting skills with agility and quick wits. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so these stories are kind of similar. It, um, it, The first one I'm going to read makes sense once I read the second one. Um, they kind of are told from different sides of mythology. And again, um, I do warn you that mythology is kind of gross. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> There's a lot of mating with animals, like bestiality. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of homosexuality, which isn't uncomfortable for me as much as bestiality is. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. man to man, woman, woman, cool. But, like, person, to animal. To <laughs> No things. Like, that's not good. That's anyway. one thing we don't gotta we don't gotta make okay. Gay rights is something we can make okay, yeah, but we not like, we but like not that. <laughs> not animals and yeah. bestiality. Um, so <sighs> this is the tale that Zeus was extremely attracted to Europa, 
pulling a sleight of hand, he changed himself into a white bull and wandered towards Europa, who was picking flowers in a nearby field. Europa couldn't resist petting the bull, then climbed upon the bull's back, and he carried Europa across the sea to Crete, kidnapping her. The couple had a son, Minos, king of Crete. Minos had made a deal with Poseidon and promised him a beautiful white bull in offering if he could give him a mastery over the seas. The god agreed. However, when the time came to sacrifice the bull, he decided to keep it for himself, offering a lesser specimen in its place. Uh, Poseidon, in revenge, asked Aphrodite for aid in the plan for retaliation. Aphrodite afflicted Minos's wife with an uncontrollable loss for the white bull. Pasiphae, unable to suppress her desires, mated with the white bull. The off- offspring of this union was the Minotaur, a dreadful beast with the body of a man and the head of a bull, which led, which fed on human flesh. Which, this is another sign not to do things like this, mm-hmm. because they will come out like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was enclosed in an impenetrable labyrinth where the youths were regularly thrown to feed its endless appetite for human flesh. Theseus, son and king of Athens, volunteered to slay the Minotaur. With the help of Minos's daughter, Ariadne, I know I'm saying that wrong, and her ball of thread. He found a way into the labyrinth and killed the Minotaur with a club, finding his way out again through the strand of thread. Now, the the Minotaur is one of my favorite stories ever. Mm-hmm. I love the Minotaur. Um, <coughs> sucks that he had to be punished for something that he didn't do, but... Um, yeah, so the other story talks about the same thing. Um... It says that it comes from the myth of Chrysomalus, a unique ram with... Oh, that's not the right one. That's the that's the one before. Scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, it talks about Zeus and Europa again. And um, he. this is saying that he transformed himself into a bull to capture her attention before revealing his true form to her. Eventually, the two went to have on three children. Zeus commemorated the... Im- the moment by placing the image of a bull in the sky as the constellation Taurus. It seemed the bull can be seen as a representation of Zeus's stubbornness and dedication to woo the object of his affections, whatever it took. Sound familiar, Taurus? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it it says. I'm not trying to come for you, I swear. It's the stubbornness for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's the turning into a white bull and fucking a woman for me. Anyway. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Moving on to Gemini. Yes. Um, I actually personally loved this story that I found about Gemini. I didn't Gemini. get this far when I was reading. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gemini constellation is linked with the story of two twin brothers, Castor and Polydeuces. Uh, the story starts with Zeus, king of the gods, wanted to have an affair with Leda. Again, Zeus having an affair. Wow. So it out of character. so many times. Yeah. Like, like, if you believe in Greek mythology and that's your religion, like, he's you're probably a, a, a spawn of Zeus in yeah. some way, shape, yeah. or form. Somehow, we might all be related to Zeus at this point. He he's, was with everyone. He's been in and on everything. <laughs> Animal or human, unfortunately. Um, the lovely queen, Leda was the lovely queen of Sparta. In order to fool her, he transformed himself into a beautiful swan. Sound familiar? I know the story too. <laughs> In the course of time, Leda bore two eggs. One of them contained a baby girl named Helen, the same one who later was the cause of the Trojan War, and Castor. These were the mortal children of King Tyd... I'm, no, I'm not going to say this right. Tidarius, actually, that sounds right, <laughs> the legitimate husband of Leda. Despite the fact that one brother was divine and the other mortal, the twins Castor and uh, Polydeuces grew to be inseparable. They did everything together and loved each other dearly. Because they were so close, they called, e- 
they were called by one name, the Dioscri. Dioscri? We're going to go with Dioscri. As they were growing, they both, they loved both, they both loved all kinds of sport. Wow, I can't talk today. I'm sorry. Uh, Polydeusus was particularly good at boxing, while Castor was renowned for his skill and daring on horseback. During the expedition of the Golden Fleece, they became famous for their ability to calm the rough seas, which once or twice had threatened to capsize the Argo. Poseidon, the god of seas, had made the twin brothers joint saviors of shipwrecked sailors and granted them the power to send favorable winds wherever they wished. Even to this day, the sight of the stars of the Doskri in the sky is regarded by sailors as an omen of good luck. Unfortunately, unfortunately following a bitter fight that the twins had with other warri- warriors, Castor was killed and was summoned to the underworld. Polydeusus was heartbroken and prayed to Almighty Zeus to take his life as well as he would not bear to live without his brother. When Zeus invited to join him and the rest of the Olympians on Olympus, Polydeusus declined, saying that he would not like to live forever while his beloved brother was dead. Zeus was so touched by the twins' love and affection for his brother that he arranged for them to be together again. They could divide their time between the heavens and the underworld, spending one day high up in Olympus and the next day beneath Earth in the re- in the realm of Hades. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, and these they both say that um, his name was Pollux. Uh, the other twin. I feel like it. it, it also depends like on the pronunciation because also like it had two different spellings yeah i don't i don't mythology is weird man i don't i don't know it's (laughs) quite difficult to pronounce these names um so again we we do have like the similar story but then it goes on to a different way where yours yeah (laughs) yours just stays like a normal story and it's like nah (laughs) like this is like hey we're just gonna take this different route (laughs) um so it does talk about um Castor and Pollux, and they were born from Leda, and they had different fathers. Again, Castor's father was Tyanderus, uh, king of Sparta, while Pollux's father was Zeus, um, who did seduce her in the form of a swan, because apparently women can be seduced by swans nowadays. Um, their adventures brought them on the quest for the Golden Fleece, which is what we talked about with Ares as Argonauts, um, and fighting in the Trojan War side by side after the supposed kidnapping of their sister Helen of Troy. Uh, the twins were born strong, handsome, and identical in all aspects, except one, Castor was born mortal, and Pelix was born immortal. Um, days turned into months, and months turned into years, and Faith could not have led a, a crueler conclusion. Castor finally died, leaving his immortal twin bo- brother Pollux torn apart with heartache after having spent their whole life together. Uh, Pollux besought Zeus to be permitted to offer his own life in exchange for that of his brother. Zeus became so heartened from such love that he decided to give them both the gift of immortality and rewarded them by placing them as stars among the constellations. And then this one says... Um, there are a number of different legends behind the parentage, uh, with some saying they were human and others saying they were both mortal, and some saying one was mortal and the other was a demigod. Um, they were inseparable and went into battle, and they <laughs> went to battle with their cousins over the women they wanted to marry. Uh, Castor was mortally wounded, leading Pollux to ask to share half his mortality with his brother, and the myth says that Zeus then placed a twin among the stars as part of the constellation Gemini, granting them the ability to travel between the home of the gods and the underworld 
as you said. Which would be kind of dope, honestly. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm back, like, bitches. All right. <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go up high again. Let's do this. Like, see you in a week. Did they get, like, an elevator ride? Like, I just, how do they travel? I, I mean, <laughs> Sorry. Do they have wings? Do they fly up? <laughs> um, today, Geminis are known for their social nature and having the duality to their character, which makes sense given that they were represented not by one, but two souls. Yeah. This is another sign that gets a bad rep. Everyone says they're two-faced and they... I'm su- I suppose you could be if you're one yeah. of the more on the more toxic side of yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, all of the signs have toxic traits. It just depends on the person. Yeah. And half the things say cancers are like super duper emotional, and the biggest babies, and others say they're super toxic. So there's yeah. there's no middle <laughs> yeah. for either sign. I guess uh, it just depends on which side you fit into more. Yeah, I mean, with Gemini's, they're like, oh, they're two phased. And I'm like, no, they adapt to your energy and reflect you. <laughs> Also, I would like to say that every time I see something with cancer, usually it's a lobster. <laughs> this is a lobster. Why is it a lobster? That is a lobster, not a crab. If you're gonna if you're gonna give me a fucking crab, make sure it's a crab. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they put a lobster on it. Oh, gosh. I, it okay, anyway. I know I love crab rangoon for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> this cancer over here is obsessed with crabs, apparently. <laughs> I love everything crab except the actual crab. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cancer is known as the crab and is linked with the story of Hercules, more specifically the story of his second labor of the Lerna Hydra. Uh, Hercules. The Hydra story is really dope. Oh, I love it. I've heard a couple stories. I'm getting off topic, but... I played Pop Tropica and there was a Greek mythology island. That one was so fun. Best thing ever. I tried. I went back on Pop Tropica. Hated it's it. It's too. The it's website, too glitchy now. Yeah, it's glitchy. You can't do anything that you used to. It's an awful website now, and my childhood has been ruined. I would. I would play that every day now if I could. Um, anyway, <laughs> Hercules' second task was assigned by. I'm sorry. These names are so hard <laughs> to pronounce. Uh, Eurystheus was was to kill the Lerna Hydra, also known as a water snake, daughter of Typhrius and Ichnida, and sister of Orpheus and Cerberus. The Hydra who lived in the marshes of Lerna devoured people and animals. She was a horrifying monster with huge dog-like body and many serpentine heads. Some say as few as seven, others claim up to 10,000. One of which was immortal. So all of her heads could be chopped off and be dead, but one of them was immortal and couldn't be dead. Uh, She had a foul, poisonous breath that killed anyone who inhaled it. Hercules' aid on this labor was his nephew and charioteer, Iolus, the son of his brother, Iphases? Iphases? I'm going to go with that and Automodusa. They arrived together at the Anime Spring, which was the monster's hideaway. Hercules forced the beast out by shooting flaming arrows into the lair. Much to his surprise, Hercules saw that for every head he shot off, two more sprung in its place. A giant crab also helped the hydra by biting on Hercules' leg. Hercules killed the crab. He then sought Iolas's help, instructing him to sear each new wound with burning branches. This checked the flow of blood and preventing prevented the growing of new heads. After he killed the Hydra, Hercules dipped his arrows in its poisonous blood. He, thereafter, anyone wounded with these arrows would die. He then buried the monster's head in the road between Lerna and Elias and placed a rock over it. 
Although Hercules completed the labor, Eurystheus refused to give him credit for it because he claimed that Hercules had received assistance to accomplish the feat. I don't know if that's the same story you have, but... Um, mine actually says something about the crab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like that one's like as great of a story as it is. It didn't really explain anything. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> this actually is really cool in the beginning. Um, it says that, uh, cancer derived from Latin literally means crab. Um, the association of cancer with water dates back to the dawn of astrology. The image of the crab is Babylonian in origin and Egypt. The sign is represented by two turtles, which would have been so fucking cool. I love turtles. <laughs> <laughs> um, the later placement of the crab within the Zodiac is related to a minor chapter in Greek mythology. Um, cancer, the giant crab named uh, Carcinus, played a minor role in the 12 labors of Hercules. So Hercules wanted to kill the many-headed Hydra, a great sea monster living in the marshes of Lima. Or Lerna. Is that an M? Uh, Lerna. Lerna. Sorry. It blended together. It looks like an M. Um, side note, if you know the Avengers or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hydra is the like bad guys in it. And if you look at their symbol, it's the multi-headed Hydra. Anyway. Okay. Um, the goddess who sent Hercules to these tasks also hated him and often encouraged his failure. During his battle with Hydra, Hera commanded a nearby crab to attack Hercules and draw his attention away. Without question, the little creature took a claw hold of a conspicuous toe. <laughs> hold on. This crab just took Hercules' toe? <laughs> it, it's the way they said it was conspicuous that it's got conspicuous. me. It's it's an unsuspecting toe because... Like, haha, gotcha. <laughs> Apparently his toes had thoughts. Anyway, um, the act cost the crab its life, or Hercules kicked it so hard that it was sent to the sky. Oh my gosh. <laughs> By other accounts, when the crab grabbed onto the hero's toe, barely breaking the rhythm of his great battle with Hydra, Hercules crushed it with his foot. Impressed by his loyalty and courage, Hera placed the crab's image in the night sky. But none of its stars were bright because the crab had failed to accomplish its given task. God nothing about me is good <laughs> some scholars have suggested that con the cancer was a late add-on to the myth of hercules to make the 12 labors correspond to the 12 signs of the zodiac which is even worse <laughs> they're like ah we gotta throw you in there <laughs> they're like this doesn't make any sense we're just gonna try to make it make sense um and the same thing it says on this one um so it's based on the carcanos from the story of hercules and in this it says the Heracles, which is his name in actual mythology, but I'm going to say Hercules because it drives me crazy. <laughs> um, the crab allied itself with the multi-headed Hydra when Hercules came to defeat it, the second of his 12 labors. When Carcanos was able to get in a good bite or two against Hercules, it was no match for him and Hercules stomped on the crab under its foot. The goddess Hera, who sent the crab after Hercules, later replayed uh, Carcanos by placing it in the heavens as the constellation Cancer. The zodiac sign sensitive but intuitive nature may be related to the crab and its brittle shell. God, fuck. Moving on. <laughs> Is this cancer over here okay with that story? <laughs> Telling me I'm. I don't. I don't think she's I'm okay. Weak. <laughs> she's slamming her papers. Telling me I'm weak. <laughs> Cut a bitch! I swear to God. You see those crabs with the with the knives in their hand? <laughs> that is you. <laughs> <laughs> just like going down the beach like ha ha come at me those are my favorite videos because you can't get the knife out of the crab's oh, no. hand like when people are cooking that actually happens like yeah. the knife if they don't have a good hold on their knife the crab will take the knife 
Man, I, <laughs> I, I try to wrestle it away. <laughs> Wrestling a crab that I plan to eat. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'd rather just buy the imitation. Thank yeah. You. Um, the next we got is Leo, which is linked with Hercules' first labor, the capture of the Neman lion. In the first of the labors of Hercules, your thesis commanded that the hero bring him the hide of the Neman lion. The lion that has been terrorizing the val- valley of Nema was one of the monstrous children of Ignida, either Orpheus or Ty- Typhorius, or had fallen to the earth from Selene. At first, Hercules tried to shoot it with his arrows, but seeing that the lion's pelt could not be pierced, he attacked it with his clubs. The lion ran away and hid in a cave with two entrances. Hercules blocked the one entrance, then wrestled with the lion and strangled it. He then skinned it and wrapped himself in its skin after offering a sacrifice to Zeus, the savior. He returned to Mycenae with the lion th- thrown over his shoulder. Seeing Hercules dressed in the lion's pelt, Eurystheus, I said that wrong, was so frightened that he ordered him to leave all the future trophies outside the city gates. He then had a large bronze jar forged and buried in the earth. Thereafter, wherever Hercules approached, the coward cowardly Eurythesis hid in this jar and had a messenger relay the next orders to the hero. It's very interesting. I feel like. This the, I feel like Hercules' 12 labors get very construed like the different ways they've been told because mm-hmm. the thing with mythology is it's word by mouth is how it was transmitted originally so yeah. like the stories are different every way you read it. Um but I love them nonetheless. <laughs> nonetheless, I can't speak. <laughs> um, also, I was, yeah, I was reading this, and it if you look at it without trying to pronounce it right, the Narnian lion. <laughs> Narnia. The Narnia. Anyway, they do think that the Narnia uh, lion was based off of this same lion because it's huge. But I wouldn't doubt it. Sidetracked. So oh this lion was a vicious monster who lived in the cave, and... Nernia, I'm going to say Nernia. Uh, I can't unsee it. The line <laughs> is usually considered to have been the offspring of Typhon and Echidna. <laughs> Echidna, I think. I don't know. There's a D before the end. Anyway, it is said to have fallen from the moon as the offspring of Zeus and Selene, which fucking everything's the offspring of Zeus, apparently. Um, the skin of the lion couldn't be penetrated or grazed by any kind of weapon. His fangs and claws were as hard as iron. That's why the lion was considered to be invulnerable. He was sent to Nemea to terrorize the city with his roaring. People and flocks were attacked and killed with by the lion, not with the lion. The first of Hercules' twelve labors was to slay the Nernia lion. While searching for the lion, Hercules fetched some arrows to use against it, not knowing that its golden fur was impenetrable. He found and shot the lion. He discovered the fur's property, and the arrow bounced harmlessly off the creature's thigh. During his fight with the lion, uh, he destroyed Hercules' armor and bit off one of his fingers. Finally, Hercules stunned with the beast with his club and, using his immense strength, strangled it to death. After slaying the lion, he tried to skin it with a knife from his belt but failed. Athena told Hercules to use one of the lion's own claws to skin the pelt. Once dead, the Nernia lion was placed by Zeus between the signs of the zodiac. All right. Okay, Zeus, just rewarding your child for getting killed. like good job you died um so this one's the exact same (laughs) um and it mentioned that he is double the size of a typical lion which is horrifying because they're huge um so when a jealous Hera sent it to Nemea 
Hercules was sent to save the locals in his first of 12 labors. Quickly discovering that his arrows did no damage, he defeated it using a club and then his own bare hands. While different versions of the story say that either Zeus or Hera immortalized the lion as the constellation Leo, we tend to think it's Hera who would have celebrated the hard work against the stepson she despised. The Leo traits of regality and arrogance align well with the tough-as-nails lion, just like arrows bounced off of its skin, criticism slides off a of Leo. Aren't you just so special? <laughs> hmm. I mean, it makes sense. They also say Leos have a tad bit of a god complex. They do, because I well, I don't think they let um, things just slide off their back. I think they just ignore it. Yeah, they ignore <laughs> they it. They just don't take it. Yeah, they're like, okay, anyway, look at me. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Virgo, and I love this story so much. The constellation of Virgo is associated with Demeter and her daughter uh, Persephone. This story has been told incorrectly many times. They have been told that Persephone willingly chose to go with Hades and spend the rest of eternity with him, but that's just not the case. Uh, Persephone was the only daughter of Demeter, the goddess of grain, agriculture, and fertility. Unfortunately for her, Hades, the ruler of the underworld, had dreadful plans for her. He would steal her innocence and virginity and turn her into his dreaded queen. Hades, god of the underworld, fell in love with Persephone and wanted her as his bride. Despite his brother Zeus's reservations, when he sought his approval, he decided to abduct her. Zeus was concerned about the reaction of her mother, Demeter, who would certainly not consent to the prospect of her beloved daughter becoming queen of the underworld. The abduction of the innocent maiden was quite spectacular. She was gathering flowers and plants. In a plain somewhere in Sicily, when Hades suddenly appeared, thundering across the plain in his four-horse chariot. Despite her screaming and pleas, no one else could hear her. The earth opened up before Hades' chariot and the powerful horses drove down into the chasm. As they both disappeared into the dark depths, the hole closed up behind them. When Demeter came to collect Persephone, she soon realized there was no trace of her that could be found. Distraught and desperate, she searched high and low for her daughter. She traveled to the farthest corners of the earth, searching for nine full days and nights without ever stopping to eat, drink, bathe, or rest. As she was roaming the land, she destroyed crops and livestock, threatening to make the earth barren forever and thus destroy all of humankind in case she would not find her daughter. Finally, on the tenth day, goddess Hecate told the grief-stricken mother that Persephone had been carried away, but she did not know the the identity of her abductor. To find the answer as to who was the culprit, Demeter went to the god Helios, who saw everything that happened on the face of the earth. Helios indeed told her what happened, but on the other hand, he tried to convince her that Hades would not be an unfit husband for her daughter. Enraged to find out about the truth, Demeter remained relentless on her pursuit, horrified at the prospect of Hades taking away her daughter. Realizing that Zeus was a possible accomplice to the abduction, she refused to return to Olympus. Instead, she roamed the earth in the guise of mortal, forbidding the trees to bear fruit and and the earth to nurture vegetables and fruit. I always try to read mine while you're reading yours to make sure they don't like aren't too close together. Yeah. Um, this other one is not even the same story. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we'll start with the one that's similar to yours. So um, 
most of the goddesses who were linked to Virgo were considered fertility goddess or goddess of the hardest, which, <laughs> good for you, well, because, I mean, you must be really fertile. <laughs> <laughs> um, this resonates with the view of Virgo being the caretaker of mankind through her fertility. Um, this includes Ishtar, which is Babylonian, uh, Isis, who is Egypt, Egyptian. I don't know why I said that. I love Isis. Um, anyway. Isis is amazing. Um, Ceres is Roman and Demeter is, um, Greek mythology. Um, so the constellation Virgo is thought to be a woman holding an ear of corn, thus reinforcing the harvest mother mythology. In one well-known Greek myth, the goddess of spring Persephone is kidnapped by the god of the underworld. And upon discovering this, the young goddess's mother Demeter, being the goddess of harvest, decides to ruin the harvest in her despair. Eventually, the spring goddess was allowed to return for six months a year to aid her mother in the harvest. This coincides with the constellation Virgo being visible for only the months of March through August. So this one's kind of... Um, boring i don't know where this came from oh so astraea is perhaps the most interesting character involved in the virgo myth as she is a virgin representing justice and was a caretaker of humanity after leaving earth she is said to have been placed in the heavens which is most likely why some mythologists believe her to be the constellation virgo itself many mythologists suggest that she became the constellation virgo and her scales of justice became the constellation libra that's not the right one why is that one all the way up there that's so confusing. Anyway, um, I don't know why that was up there. That didn't make any sense, which is why I was confused. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to the other story. So um, it says, though there are different accounts of the story behind the constellation Virgo, the most common is tied to a princess called uh Parthenos. The maid's father, Stephalos, was a cruel and bitter man with a bad temper. When the family's pigs broke into the house one night, causing destruction, Parthenos and her sister decided to do the only thing to avoid his fury would be to jump into the sea together. Seeing their goodness, the god Apollo decided to save them and turn both sisters into goddesses, and he later placed uh, Parthenos among the stars as the constellation Virgo. Just like Parthenos, the Virgo, the Virgo zodiac sign is associated with kindness, careful thinking, and patience. I don't know if I'd consider jumping into the sea careful thought. No, <laughs> definitely not. That's just but. me. That seems a little uh, <laughs> jumping the gun, personally. Um, but that. You know, I mean, do whatever you yeah, want, I guess. I mean, own. Lizzie Borden murdered her dad, but, <laughs> you know, do your thing. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Moving on, next we've got Libra, which is the halfway point of the Zodiac. Libra is the scales and is linked to Diki, just also known as Justice, a minor goddess of the underworld. Existing in the underworld realm, Diki personifi personified justice through retribution. According to Hesod, Diki was one of the three graces, daughter of Zeus and Themis. Diki is linked with the ancient Greek custom of persecution of the guilty either by the community or by the victim's family. Her assistants were the Uranes or the Furies, who hound criminals. She and her mother are both personifications of justice. She is depicted as a young, slender woman carrying a balance scale and wearing a laurel wreath. The constellation Libra, the scales, was anciently thought to represent her distinctive symbol. She is associ associated with Astria, the goddess of innocence and purity. Astria is also one of her epithets, 
referring to her appearance and nearby constellation in the nearby constellation Virgo, which is said to represent Astria. This reflects her sim- symbolic association with Astria, who too has similar icono- iconography. I could not say that word to save my life. But that, that story was decently short compared to others. Yeah, so I've, I read the other... I have two papers in front of me, which is why I'm saying the other story. Um, which basically talks about the thing that I somehow got mixed up with Virgo. Because it's it's literally on Virgo's thing. <laughs> so I don't know how it got there. The website is just mixed up. <laughs> Apparently. Um, so uh, Libra's symbol of the scales is based on the scales of justice held by Famous, the Greek personification of divine law and custom. She became the inspiration for modern depictions of Lady Justice. Libra is the only zodiac constellation in the sky represented by an inanimate object. The other 11 signs are represented by either as an animal or mythological character throughout uh, history. Libras are the children of Venus, and for this reason, they are elegant, charming, and they have good taste, and they love beauty. They don't like routine... Stop dancing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah. They don't like routine and prefer an intellectually appealing argument rather than banal work. They are artistic, but also rational, sensitive, but also timid and indecisive. Hell yeah, they are. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But once they have chosen their goal, they have no further hesitations and show their hidden ambition. They can be excellent philosophers, artists, and diplomats. I I don't know about diplomats. I don't know if they can make a decision fast enough. (laughs) I mean... They stand for what should be just. They stand for justice, but I feel like they would not make decisions easily, (laughs) is my point. (laughs) As a lawyer or something like that, I think they would be great. I was told as a child that I should be a lawyer because I'm very stubborn. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you'd you'd be emotionally ready for being a lawyer. Uh, Are we ready to talk about my emotions? I don't think so. Moving on. Um, their love for beauty and pleasure can lead them into a hedonistic existence, but they can also carry out a stylish and philanthropic lifestyle without falling in the frivolity of the mundane world. Because they are not attract, attached to money and seek more intangible achievements, they are trustworthy bankers and or stockbrokers. They have a community-oriented oriented spirit and can easily get in the middle of a controversy to pacify the parties in the name of justice. For this reason, they tend to be excellent mediators. That's a good job to have a mediator. Oh, yeah. They reject the dom- uh, domination of the strong over the weak and believe in the power of ideas overall. That wasn't really a story, but you know what? That's fine. (laughs) Um, So the other one says, unlike many of the zodiac signs we've mentioned until now, Libra did become a constellation in the times of ancient Rome, symbolizing the scales of Astria, the goddess of justice. It's said that Astria lived on Earth among humans uh, beings during the mythological golden age, giving blessings to all in a prosperous land. However, when greed and anger set in during the Bronze Age, she eventually shied away from them completely. In some versions of the story, it's actually Astria who Zeus placed in the heavens as the constellation Virgo, with her scales of justice eventually becoming Libra. Today, Libras are known for their strong sense of right and wrong and their dedication to fairness. They would have made Astria proud. Yeah. I feel like that's a good quality. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I feel like this is kind of the representation of how, like, society can become greed the more power we're given. Anyway, uh, 
That's a whole different episode. <laughs> Moving on to Scorpio. A Scorpio is linked with the story of the scorpion, what a shock, and the mighty hunter Orion. Or I said that wrong. Or Orion. Orion, yeah. Why did I say it like that? Anyway, <laughs> many of the stories concerning the constellations of Orion and Scorpio reflect the annual rising and setting of their constellations, which appear to pursue each other across the sky. One story tells how Gaia had sent the scorpion to sting Orion in order to punish him for being too boastful, claiming that he was so mighty that he could easily rid the whole earth of all beasts and creatures. As soon as the scorpion was released from the breast of Gaia, it immediately stung Orion and its deadly venom sent him straight to his death. The scorpion was set up in the sky by Gaia to mark her victory, while goddess Artemis, who loved Orion, placed his image on the sky as well, forming his own constellation. Because, or because Orion had cared so much for his hunting dog, Artemis also put up a star for his dog. This is Cyrus, the brightest star in the heavens. There is another story about Orion and the scorpion. One day, when Orion was out in the woods, he caught sight of seven beautiful sisters, the daughters of uh, Atlas and Ple Pleione. Orion loved them all at first sight and began to chase after them. The sisters, however, were terrified and cried out to Zeus to save them. Zeus heard their pleas and helped them by turning them first into doves so they could fly away from Orion and then into the seven stars, which are now the Pleiades. Pleiades? According to the myth, Orion was stung by the scorpion as a punishment for chasing the seven sisters. Zeus decided that the constellations of Orion and the Pleiades were arranged in the heavens, so it seemed that Orion was in constant, constant pursuit of the seven sisters without ever becoming successful, just as the just as the Scorpio seems to always be chasing Orion without ever touching him. Poor Orion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, the meaning behind the zodiac sign Scorpio is based off the Greek myth of Orion, the son of Poseidon, and Uriali. We're going to go with that. Uh, who, after engaging the goddess Artemis, is punished by the gods. Legend has it that Artemis, having fallen in love with the handsome and gifted husband, invites him to join her on a hunt. Orion, knowing, known for his rough nature and lack of control, misunderstands the goddess' intentions and attempts to rape her, thereby incurring the wrath of the gods with his act of sacrilege. So, trigger warning, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> that was very common as well in mythology. A lot of times they try to romanticize the... Um, act and make it better but most of the time there is a lot of rape in mythology specifically yeah. greek so um sorry i didn't think about it ahead of time but <laughs> it's an it's a sad truth um it's it was a very long time ago so it wasn't as hard as it is now i believe mm -hmm. um so and another version of this legend, he dares to boast of his hunting skills by arrogantly showing Artemis the hundreds of trophies of his kills. <coughs> In both versions of the story, the gods decided to punish him. A scorpion is sent to do, uh, that is poor grammar, uh, to battle with him and eventually kills him with his poisonous sting. A staunch alley by the gods, the scorpion is immortalized in a constellation. Orion is also transformed into a constellation by Artemis and is placed head-to-head -head with that of his arch enemy. So the two are forever locked in battle. I like that one. That one's Yeah, cool. I like that one the best. <laughs> um, let's see. Is this one different? Oh, 
yeah, this is different. Okay. <laughs> the scorpion we associated with Scorpio today is based on giant Scorpius. After the hunter Orion pronounced his plans to kill every living animal on Earth, the hunting goddess Artemis decided he must be stopped. She sent the massive scorpion over after Orion, and it managed to defeat him in battle. For his victory, Zeus granted him his place among the heavens as the constellation Scorpius. Like the scorpions, Scorpios are known for being mysterious, adaptable, and quick to strike when they're uncomfortable in a situation. That is very true. I don't think I know any Scorpios, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you do. I do? Brendan? Oh. Yeah, he's a Scorpio. Hmm. Mysterious. (laughs) Can be. (laughs) Oh, the lovely Sagittarius. We love Sagittariuses. A lot of people don't. (laughs) I I have a lot of Sag, to be fair. So I naturally am going to like Sagittarius. That's why you and Ben get along. Yeah, that is exactly why. (laughs) Also, air and fire work really well together. Me being an air sign. Me having five placements in Sagittarius. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the reason we work so well is because I'm like, I can cool them off easily, you know, water on fire. (laughs) I want to look at your chart again. I, I'm pretty sure you have a cancer stellium. I don't know. Like a cancer sun, cancer moon, cancer mercury, (laughs) something like that. Do I got to like pay you 20 bucks just so you can like look at it and refer to it and keep it in a book on your wall or something? I would do that for free for you. (laughs) Are you kidding? For you. I'd let you get it for free. For you. For you. Sorry. I'll do a birth chart for free. (laughs) Anyone, Sagittarius depicts a creature called the centaur, half man and half horse. Hell yeah. The centaurs from Harry Potter are my favorite. I love them so much. They were underrepresented, by the way. They were great. The mythology represented in Harry Potter was amazing and it did not get its justice in the movies. I'm just putting it out there. Continue, please. We don't stand JK Rowling on that note. Um, We don't. I stand Harry Potter in the series and I will continue to unfortunately give my money to it, but I try not to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's Sagittarius. He is named after Chirion, the most famous and the king of centaurs. He was semi-divine as he was the son and god of Poseidon. What is with Zeus and Poseidon? Hades Hades is fine. He's not going around town just No, like he that. has one love, pretty yeah. much. Uh, we're, we already went over that. Yeah. <laughs> but Poseidon and Zeus. I don't want you to smite me, but calm down. <laughs> um, he was taught by the god Apollo and the goddess of Mar- goddess artemis and from then he learned both wisdom and spirituality he dwelt in a cave high up in the rocky snowy mountains of pelion he was the oldest and wisest of all the centaurs and very strong in fact he was so famous that many kings had trusted their sons to teach them among the most famous of his students were hercules and jason who became the leader of the argonauts as the myth goes Cherion was destined to suffer a gruesome death when Hercules was returning home to Tyrans after killing the Eurymathian, I'm not even going to try that one again. That was rough. Or he had a violent encounter with some drunken centaurs, which he managed to drive away near the place where Tyrion lived. By accident, however, one of the poisonous arrows that Hercules used to defend himself from his attackers went astray and hit his old teacher, Tyrion. Being semi-divine, he would not die, but having to suffer excruciating pain because of the poison. He was in such agony that Zeus himself felt sorry for the poor centaur and permitted him to give up his divine status and give it to Prometheus, the creator of the human race. So Chirion finally was let to die, relived from the intolerable pain that was inflicted on him from the wound. 
Gosh. Sorry, my foot's asleep. I zoned out half that story. I can't get my foot to wake up. (laughs) Um, Tyrion went through it. He was just destined to have an awful death. How about you changed his destiny, Zeus? You set that one up. I don't know if you know a lot about Zeus, but he didn't get my flying fuckle diddy what happened. It was like, this is my world. (laughs) He is the god of all gods, and he was a bastard. No offense, Zeus. You know you're a bastard. He had a lot of bastards, too. (laughs) He did. He was not the best god to be as an example of a leader, but... (laughs) You know, he keeps shit in line, so I guess he can do something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just don't smite me, please. This is for research purposes. <laughs> um, so the sign for Sagittarius refers to a constellation that comes from the culture of the Sumerians, later adopted by the Greeks and then by the Romans, who created a bit of confusion around its mythological origins. Go you guys. According to some cuneiform inscriptions, the Sumerian god of war, Nergal... Nigel? Nigel? <laughs> Nigel? I don't think Nigel it's Thornberry? Nigel. <laughs> um, I promise you it's not Nigel. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's not A that. hunter and an archer. I don't know. It could be Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> um, for the Romans, the archer was Chirin. Is that what you said? Chirion? There's no high. Yeah, Whatever. Not on this one. Okay, whatever. Chiron, Chirion, Cheerios, whatever his name is. (laughs) The wise centaur, teacher of Jason, Achilles, and other famous heroes. But the identification of Sagittarius the Chiron is inaccurate as he was originally associated with the centaur stars. However, already during the Alexandrian and then Roman periods, some authors confused Chiron with Sagittarius. The constellation of Sagittarius was created to guide Jason and the Argonauts to the Golden Fleece. Again, going back to Ares, go you guys. <laughs> um, in fact, the character who originally represented him in Greek mythology was a legendary Cretonic, son of the goat god Pan and Euphemy, the nurse of the muses. As the son of the hybrid goat, he was probably a cider, um, a human creature with ears, tail, and hooves of a goat. And a centaur, so basically what Pan was mixed with a centaur. Um, Crotus, a satyr who lived on Mount Helicon, was the inventor of the bow and arrow and often went hunting on horseback. The muses asked Zeus to put him in heaven, and so there he was placed in the act of demonstrating his archery abilities. Next one is (laughs) he is represented by a centaur, and it is because of the sign's connection to carrion. Uh... He was the oldest of the half-horse, half-men centaurs, and also the strongest and smartest, and is best known for training some of mythology's greatest warriors. Um, Kyrion uh, was accidentally poisoned by Hercules during a battle with other centaurs, leading Zeus to place him in the stars as the constellation Sagittarius. Like, why is it spelled two different ways in the same paragraph? (laughs) I don't think anyone knows how it's supposed (laughs) to be spelled at this point. (laughs) The man... (laughs) Um, and Sagittarius's are well known for their wisdom as well as their bravery, bra- bravery and adventurous <laughs> nature. They're also feisty, which you have to be if you're half horse. Don't forget their painfully blunt attitude. They just like throw things at you because they're like, I'm helping you. I'm being honest. It's no, when they're angry. Oh boy. Oh, I know. I'm a Sagittarius Mars. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm not going to say what I have said to my exes when I'm angry, but. It's not nice. I'll say that. Fights uh, with Ben are not fun. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you being in cancer, I'm sure. <laughs> I cry a lot. Does that does that help? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. 
moving on. Capricorn, my guy. We got Capricorn. Um, Capricorns. Uh, this is, this story is linked with the birth of Zeus. As the story goes, when Rhea gave birth to baby Zeus, she feared that her cruel husband Kronos would devour her child, just as he did with the previous ones that she gave birth to. What a great dad! She secretly took her care, took her child to Crete, Crete, where he was safely kept in a cave on Mount Dicte, where she, where he was nursed and cared for by Almathe, whose name means tender. She was a goat nymph, and she looked after baby Zeus with the greatest love and devotion, feeding him her, her own rich milk and sweet lavender-scented honey. That honey sounds amazing. I'm just going to say that right now. Zeus's golden cradle was hung upon high upon a tree so that Cronus would never find him in heaven or earth or even in the ocean. When Zeus later became the lord of the universe, he did not forget his goat mother, Al- Almathea, who had nursed him so lovingly. He took one of her horns and turned it into the horn of plenty, which is always filled with whatever delicious food or drink its owner may wish for, and it is never empty. Finally, in recognition for all that she had done for him, she set her image along the rest of the stars on the Greek zodiac as the constellation of Capricorn, half sea goat. Could you imagine having like a horn filled with like chocolate milk? I'm I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> lactose free chocolate milk. That sounds great. <laughs> chocolate oat or like milk? iced coffee or something. Ooh. And all you have to do is like put a little bit of like syrup or something. Ugh. You know, a horn, an endless horn of lavender, iced coffee. Fantastic. Okay, what stories you got? <laughs> I'd be okay with just water too, because this thing is painful to fill up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, agents had a lot of legends about a strange goat named Capricorn. His figure is often connected to Zeus, uh, head of gods. Babylonians believe that Capricorn was a sea goat, a god named Ea, who brought learning and culture to the people of Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. Um, it was believed that Ea lived in the ocean, and he came out of the water every day to watch over the land and returned at night. According to the Greeks, Capricorn was associated with the demigod Pan, who was a man from the waist up and a ghost from the... A ghost. (laughs) A ghost. (laughs) A goat from the waist down. He was the son of Hermes and a forest nymph. He was raised by nymphs after his mother, disgusted by his appearance, abandoned him. Poor Pan. Man, he gets turned into the devil and he gets abandoned by his mom. Pan. (laughs) Pan tended sheep and goats and was a talented musician. He played the flutes. Um, His libidinous nature also that is a, i've never seen that word before but i know what it means uh also <laughs> drove him to go after the nymphs who usually fled in panic at the sight of him one of them Sirinx, sped the gut go- begged the gods to turn into reed which pan used to create the well-known pan flute at one time pan himself was fleeing from the monster typhon and tried but failed to turn himself into a fish However, he supported Zeus and his battle with Typhon, and in things, Zeus immortalized him by transforming him into a star constellation. Um, <clears throat> where's the other one? Okay. Capricorn gets a symbol from Precus, an immortal creature with the front half of a goat and the back half of a fish. Oh. <laughs> well, <that sounds laughs> that was terrifying. said to have the ability to roll time. I'm thinking of, there's a movie... Oh no! It's it's in Spy Kids too. It's like the fish and the goat. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? 
the creature? No, okay. No, but, but that's I need what I'm to thinking see it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, imagine you're swimming in the ocean, having a good time, and you see this giant goat, but with a fish end. I, I'd cry. I would cry. Anyway, um, continue. So <laughs> this creature was said to have the ability to rule time. Fricus lived in the sea. He was very intelligent and had many children, but their curiosity led them all to dry land. After a time, they grew back legs and became regular goats, losing their intelligence. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Loneliness at the loss of his children drove Fricus to turn back in time and warn them not to leave the sea, but they did anyway. Realizing he couldn't alter fate, he allowed his creator, Kronos, to place him in the night sky to create the Capricornus constellation so he could always see his children. Like Fricus, Capricorn is known for their parental instincts and desire to control situations. Their practicality also helps them come up with unusual and clever solutions for their problems. Well, we do know that Capricorns are always right and very stubborn and can be controlling of the situation. That's kind of sweet, though, that he wanted to be in the sky so he could see his kids. Yeah, that's adorable. <laughs> that's definitely adorable. I'd do that for my kids. Anyway, I don't have <laughs> kids, but Aquarius, moving on. <laughs> Okay, Aquarius, uh, this is the story of, I'm going to say this wrong, Ganymede? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, okay, Ganymede, uh, who was the son of the king, Tros, after whom Troy was named. The young prince was the most exquisite and handsome youth that had ever lived. I remember the story. I'm sorry. I remember <laughs> the story. Fucking, fucking Hera. <laughs> she makes me so angry sometimes. And was adored and admired by both gods and mortals. Zeus, who, who was especially fond of beautiful people, was totally infatuated with G Ganymede's external appearance, thinking it would be appropriate for so handsome a mortar as Ganymede to live with the gods. The mighty god disguised himself as an enormous eagle, then flew down to earth, captured the handsome youth, and brought him up to Olympus. Up there in the heavenly palace, Zeus had to find a job for his young protege. So he decided that Ganymede should be given the special honor of being his personal cupbearer. Wow. What a honor. You get to pour my water. Um, <laughs> get to bang you later, but you have to <laughs> pour my water during the day. Yeah. <laughs> the position was considered to be highly distinguished since the person who was assigned the duty of the cupbearer was responsible for pouring into the glasses of the Olympians the divine drink called nectar. This was a special drink that was bestowed on the gods for their eternal youth and vigor. Vigor? Vigor? V-I-G-O-R. What an established gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Zeus was forever fond of his cupbearer, so he honored him by giving him a prominent position of the Greek zodiac as the constellation of Aquarius. All right, let's get this rolling. Um, he, this sign is often associated with Ganymede, a young and beautiful prince of Troy with whom Zeus fell in love. Zeus disguised himself as an eagle and carried Ganymede to the cup carrier to be the cup carrier to the gods. Hera was jealous of the young prince and threatened him with contempt. Zeus, however, was not fazed by the wrath of his wife and had Ganymede accompany him, accompany him on his travels bearing a golden cup. Ganymede was a kind and compassionate young man and took pity on the people of Earth when he saw they were without water. He begged Zeus to allow him to help the people and eventually was granted permission. He sent down rain upon the Earth and quenched the thirst of the people. He was defied as Aquarius, god of rain. Aquarius was considered positive by cultures which had led 
lands, which had lands plagued by drought, such as the Greeks and the Egyptians. In contrast, cultures prone to flooding, such as the Babylonians, looked at Aquarius in a negative way. The mythological relationship of Zeus and Ganymede is often compared to the real relationship between Emperor Hadrian and Antinous. Antinous? In fact, he was given the spot below Ganymede's to the carrier to the Emperor Hadrian by Zeus, just as he carried Ganymede's to Mount Olympus. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes, this is also talking about Ganymede. This seems to be the one and only story. Um, Some consistency. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> so, those born under the sign of Aquarius are said to share some of Ganymede's traits, including their altruistic giving nature and the ability to go with the flow regardless of the situation. Go, you guys. Be adaptive. Which is is true but they are a fixed sign still meaning they are still very stubborn they can go with the flow they just they want to be right they also say the last four of the zodiac signs are the know-it-all because they've lived the most lives but that's getting into reincarnation moving along to the final and one and only pisces (laughs) yeah this is also one of the most hated signs i feel like they just shit on water signs constantly (laughs) Pisces, uh, Aphrodite is actually thought to be the source of inspiration for this constellation. After Zeus had fought with it, fought his father Kronos, he defeated the race of giants, who were the children of Gaia, the mother of Earth. In revenge for the destruction of her children, Gaia gave birth to a horrible monster called Typhoon. He was the largest and most frightening creature ever born. From the thighs down, he was a massive coiled snakes, while his arms were so long that he spread them out when he spread them out, they reached a hundred leagues each way. Let loose by his mother Gaia, Typhoon thundered towards the Olympian home of gods, declaring war on all of them. The gods hurried to disguise themselves and hoped that the horrible creature would not find them. Zeus took the image of a ram. Hera became, became a white cow. Artemis became a cat. That is so fitting for Artemis. I'm not going to lie. That's why she's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Hermes turned into a... Ibis? I don't know what animal that is. I'm not going to lie. I don't either. It's okay. (laughs) While Ares became a wild boar. Making sense. Lastly, the goddess Aphrodite and her son Eros dived deep into the ocean and took the shape of twin fish. When the fierce monster was finally captured by Zeus and all of the Olympians were transformed back to their original form, Aphrodite, being grateful to the fish who had lent them their form to her and her son while they were in distress, put up their image in the night sky. Thus, Pisces became the last constellation of the Greek zodiac. Um, so I'm going to warn you, these are in the Roman names, but this matches the story. Um, so the story of Pisces constellation follows the brutal defeat of the Titans at the hands of the Olympian gods. After the power struggle, Gaia coupled with Tartarus in the lowest depths of the underworld and from his this unexpected union was born Typhon. Typhon, as powerful as the Titans themselves, had 100 dragon heads with flaming eyes and mouths filled with black tongues. Hesioid tells us that he was the most awful monster that the world has ever seen. Gaia sent Typhon to destroy the gods on Mount Olympus as revenge for the death of the Titans. Fortunately, Pan, god of the, sh- of the shepherds, saw the monster coming and warned the other gods, giving them just enough time to transform themselves and go into hiding. Um, so... It goes into Jupiter, to the shape of the ram, Mercury, and Ibis, Apollo, a crow, Diana, cat, and Bacchus pr- transformed into a goat. Um, 
Venus and her son Cupid, however, were caught unawares while they were bathing on the banks of the Euphrates River. By pleading with the water nymphs for protection, they were transformed into fish and their tails were tied with a cord so they wouldn't be separated. Just before Typhon could destroy them, they swam into the depths of the river. In another account, two fish appeared on the riverbank and carried Venus and Cupid to safety. It's kind of weird that you're bathing with your mom in a river, but... (laughs) (laughs) Besides the point. (laughs) You stared at that page for a long time, like... I'm just trying to... Okay. (laughs) Okay. bathing together. the The relationship between them is very strange. Like, the story of, like, basically um cupid's only love that she tried to kill her mm-hmm. <laughs> like come on lady and it's this is quite funny because on my necklace i have aphrodite mm-hmm. and then on my earrings i have arrows <laughs> you're just feeding the issue <laughs> we got mommy issues <laughs> <laughs> all right um and the last one i have is The last sign of the Zodiac Pisces finds its origin in a tale regarding the goddess Aphrodite and her son Eros. When the monster of all monsters, Typhon, came to Mount Olympus to threaten the gods, Aphrodite and Eros found themselves trapped. The two then called upon Zeus, who transformed them both into fish, and with the help of a couple of fish in a nearby river, they both managed to escape unharmed. For their bravery, Athena then placed the heroic fish among the heavens to form the constellation Pisces. Like the two fish, Pisces are known for their intuition and generosity, even if they're often not moved to action until an emergency arises. Which, I mean, it's better late than never, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, I guess it's not necessarily Aphrodite and Eros themselves, but the fish who helped them. Yeah. Which is nice. One story says that they uh, took the form of fish. Another one said that fish helped them. Either way, there's two fish in this story. That is what this is. <laughs> it kind of throws me off when I think about Pisces because it reminds me a lot of, um, what is it, uh, Gemini with the twins. Oh, okay. So I always think of the two, two and I'm like, which one is it again? <laughs> yeah, and I also know a handful of Geminis and Pisces that got their two signs mixed up. Nice. Because yes. they're also very similar. The only difference is that, like, Pisces has the line in the middle where Gemini has two lines at the top instead. Mm. Yeah, those symbols throw me off, too. I look at them and I'm like... You're like, that's that's a symbol. Mm-hmm. There we go. I'm 69. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I... What am I? I am a semi-circle, basically. Yours is it's like a line. A, yeah. Yours is like an omega with a line underneath, I think, right? Sure. I don't know what an omega looks like. Oh, my Lord. You are the sorority girl here. <laughs> it's also Greek. It's a Greek alphabet. I didn't learn the Greek alphabet. Oh, I'm just saying. It's a very common letter. It looks It looks like this. It okay. Looks, okay. <laughs> and omega is that. And then oh, that's okay. your symbol. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. I can't unclick your pen. They <laughs> <laughs> won't go back in. It's okay. Um, but I hope you understood the stories because uh, they were Greek. <laughs> yeah, which a lot of the names were very hard to pronounce because... It'd be kind of interesting to do an episode on the Egyptian version of Ooh. the mythology and what that would represent. Should because we follow, we follow the Greek mythology for the Zodiac, and the Greek Zodiac is technically what it's called, but, mm-hmm. and, and Latin, which, you know, if you know anything about Rome and Greek, everything was originally a different language, and it yeah. all just got mixed up. I did um, take Latin. <laughs> but yet, we can't pronounce Greek names, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but maybe we'll, we'll do that in the future. That yeah, sounds that interesting. Sounds, that sounds like a good idea. And fun. 
I don't know a lot about Egyptian stories. I would love to learn more. I've always been fascinated by them. Yeah. Anubis is one of my favorite mythological beings ever. Um, I do know the story of Isis and Osiris. Mm-hmm. Yes. That whole I, the Mummy is one of my favorite movies. Okay. So. <laughs> if that tells you anything. Um, but yeah, so we hope you enjoy your Zodiac. Um, again, starting from Aries going through Pisces. So um, we will make sure we put that in the description. I'm not going to sit there and pick out times like I said I did the last time and I didn't do it. Um, but yeah, so well, I'll make sure that that's in the description. So if you want to tell your friends about it or anything, I tell my friends about it and then they go find it. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed another zodiac edition um and we'll see you next time for another spooky episode